Hi, welcome to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm your host, Tom Nielsen. Uh-oh. Do you hear that? It sounds like the reindeer team is here. And you know what that means. Christmas is right around the corner. <laughs> yes, gang. It's that time of year when our attention shifts from matters of work, school, and sports to the issue of what's Santa going to bring me for Christmas? Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Why is it that whenever I hear that big jolly elf laughing like that, I always think of the jolly green giant? <laughs> I don't know. They could actually be long-lost brothers separated at birth. What do you think? I'm sorry, I don't understand what you just said. Well, anyway, here we are, and tis the season to be jolly. Tra-la-la-la-la, etc., etc., etc. I'm sure all of you have plenty of memories celebrating this big holiday from your own years growing up. Uh, yeah? As for me, I can think of certain traditions we had in our house that didn't always involve us kids. Take, for example, my mother's annual bake-a-thon. Right before the holidays, she'd drag out the old rolling pin, pastry board, and flour sifter in preparation for a marathon bread and strudel making event that consumed most of her time and energy for several days at a time. <laughs> you see, our family had Eastern European roots, and some of the notable customs of that faraway land included cooking, drinking, and eating. So it was only natural that mom obediently followed the example of our ancestors and made enough bread and strudel to feed the entire Slovak army. <laughs> oh yeah, did I mention? Half of our family was Slovak, and the other half may have come from Poland, and maybe even Ukraine. We're not exactly sure. But one thing we do know is that the food enjoyed by all these different ethnic groups is very similar. So while the names of the dishes may vary slightly from one country to another, they're usually made of the same ingredients and look a lot alike. Well, as I said, my mother's big baking marathon was something that came with her DNA. It was in her blood, and making enough bread to feed an army was not unusual for our culture. In fact, way back in the 18th century, there was a Polish historian, Lukasz Golombiowski, who said, the main principle of the Polish way of life is hospitality. Hospitality. A Pole does not like eating alone. When someone slaughters a pig, catches some fish, or has some early vegetables coming in on the farm, he soon invites company. In other words, all his family, friends, and neighbors share in his good fortune. And so it was with my mom. She baked enough bread to feed everyone in our small circle of acquaintances. Grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins, and so on and so on. Her particular recipe for this bread, which we called babka, was obviously passed down from generations before her. And if I had to describe it, I'd say it had a lot in common with the Jewish bread known as challah. It was very light, airy, and yellow in color, due to the large number of egg yolks. And then she usually finished it off by brushing on more egg, or more specifically, egg whites, on top of each loaf, to give it an artistic, delectable, glazed finish. 
By the time all was said and done, our entire dining room table was completely filled with dozens and dozens of these loaves. But that wasn't all, folks. Then she moved on to the strudel. Oh, yeah. This, too, was a family recipe, passed on for generations. But this wasn't actually called strudel in our house. Mom simply referred to it as poppy seed and nut rolls. But it did look a whole lot like the strudel you might find in German homes. And remember when I said that us kids didn't have a lot to do with this baking marathon? Well, I take that back. Because one of the things we did have to do to prepare for the poppy seed and nut rolls was grinding the walnuts. Now, this was apparently a thankless job, which my parents were only too happy to pass on to us kids. So we sat in the makeshift grinding station in our kitchen, cranking on that old-fashioned manual grinder until either our arms fell off or the old man decided that we weren't doing it right. <laughs> But all that hard labor was definitely worth it, especially when you tasted the end result. Yum. Now, speaking of the old man, he had his own marathon activity leading up to the holidays. His job was to drag out all the Christmas decorations from the basement and install them on our front porch. Of course, I should explain that these were not the kind of store-bought decorations you see today on people's lawns, that were probably obtained from Lowe's, Home Depot, or wherever. No, all our decorations had been painstakingly built from scratch by the old man out of thin plywood. Actually, I think it was called masonite. And then meticulously painted to very exacting specifications. I think he got the original designs out of a special Christmas issue of Popular Mechanics magazine, in which they supplied the blueprints, the list of materials, and the artwork that could be scaled up to size. So we had two life-size angels, a giant candle, a jolly laughing Santa Claus complete with matching sleigh, and maybe a reindeer or two. I'm a little fuzzy on that detail because a few other do-it-yourself fathers in our neighborhood who must have used the exact same plans from Popular Mechanics had similar displays at their homes and some of theirs included reindeer. Well anyway, my dad had obviously cranked out all these decorations in his home workshop a number of years earlier, probably when I was still just a toddler. And he was so good at sneaking these out of the basement and putting them up on the porch before anybody even noticed, probably under the cover of darkness, that for years I thought that Santa Claus himself delivered our porch decorations. <laughs> but that wasn't all. In addition to the life-size cutout figures, my father also had to string up all the Christmas lights from one end of the porch to the other. He'd get out there on his trusty but shaky wooden ladder and individually fasten all the strands of lights with his shiny chrome staple gun. And he did this every year. Now, since his day job was being an efficiency expert for the civil service, you would have thought that he would have figured out a way to make this process easier, like installing hooks that could stay up year-round. But I guess that improvement only came about years later after he'd had a few close calls climbing up and down on that rickety old ladder. Of course, when my parents ultimately decided to do a home makeover and install aluminum siding, that tradition soon came to an end. 
For one thing, it wasn't a very smart idea to puncture the aluminum siding with hooks or holes for the holiday lights. And number two, the old man who was by then getting on in years no longer had the desire to do all that heavy manual labor, dragging out all the cutouts from the basement and stringing lights all over the front of the house. And so from that point on, our decorations were limited to just a few sets of electric candle displays on the inside of the front porch, with no other big flashy holiday paraphernalia on the outside. Years later, when I had my own home, the job of putting up holiday decorations became my responsibility. But given the fact that life in general, and especially the world of work, had become so much more demanding and time-consuming, as we all know, I really wasn't in any position to be able to put the same kind of time and hard labor into holiday decorations like the old man once did. So unfortunately, we wound up purchasing some of those inexpensive, prefabricated, made-in-China generic decorations that you see on almost everybody's lawns these days. And as to holiday lights, I had my own perilous adventures climbing up and down a rickety stepladder with a staple gun. So after only one holiday season, I too gave up that part of our decorating chores. And I lived to tell about it. Wow. You've been listening to A Look Behind and Rewind. Season's greetings to y'all. I'm Tom Nielsen. See you next time. Hi, this is Tom Nielsen. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're invited to hear more of our episodes at A Look Behind and Rewind. And feel free to share our link with friends, family, and others, as well as following us on buzzsprout.com, Apple, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts.